I know the whole last month, I was, I was pretty much traveling all over the place. I, uh, I went out in the beginning of July out to California, uh, and I spent about seven days out in, in Southern California, the greatest state in the country. Anyone? No? Cool, like three of you. Texas, very wrong, my man, very wrong. Everything's big down there. And uh, here's, here's I, I went to, to California, spent like seven days out there, immediately flew down to Florida. And so uh, what actually, it was pretty cool. I saw the sunrise uh, on the West Coast, and then that same night, I saw the sunset on the East Coast. Uh, so that was cool. So in the second I was done in Florida, I came back to Atlanta, uh, packed my bags, uh, did some laundry. I had to take off for a conference the next day that I led worship at, and I was there for five days. And as soon as I was done there, I came back, I did laundry, I packed my bag, and then we were off to NTS camp. And so we're there at NTS camp. That was an incredible time. And then we came back, and I was able to come in back, uh, come in, back in time to, to uh, be a part of the NTS recap service. And that was last week, and that was incredible. And, and I'm just so excited to finally be here. I have my head uh, back in the game here at H12 every single week because uh, I don't tell you guys this enough, but, but leaders, students, everyone in this room, uh, I just appreciate you so much. And I was in like some of the most beautiful places across the country and the places I love the most. And every Wednesday just rolled around and I missed you guys so much just being in this place and just having uh, the relationships that we have here. And just, I thank you so much for just allowing me to be a part of your life and uh, for you being a part of mine. So guys, I just thank you so much for that. And uh, so summer, summer was just really, really crazy. And how many, does anybody know how many more days until school starts? Five days. There was like, it was like the most depressing answer ever. There's five. It's five days. Yeah, some of you just had like the worst realization ever. Uh, so five days until school, and so we're four. Oh, dang it. That sucks worse. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> um, so, so you, just, you just figured that out, and as school's beginning and summer is ending, we're also jumping into a brand new series. You've caught this. It's called My Life, My Rules, and, and we think this series is going to be pretty incredible, and it's going to be a game changer uh, across the board for us because uh, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you run to. It doesn't matter what you're a part of uh, or how far away you move. Uh, there's something true about rules. And it's simply this. The reality of rules is rules are all around us. Rules are all around us. And that's the first thing there in your teaching notes if you want to go ahead and fill these out. Rules are all around us. And uh, it's pretty much no matter where you go, you're always surrounded by rules. You go home, and, and maybe when you're home you have some spoken or unspoken kind of rules. Uh, maybe it's something just like keep your room clean, make your bed every morning, you've got to be home by 11, you've got a, uh, no cell phone at the dinner table, or like there's some sort of house rules that you're always a part of. And then, then you go to school, and God knows there's a billion rules for you to do there. And uh, you show up at school, and you've got to be at this place at the right time, and you've got to be there at the right time, and you've got to turn this at this point. Uh, and there's, there's no running in the hallway, there's no, nothing in this in the cafeteria, and, and there's no tardy. There's all these rules that just pile up at school. And then, then you leave school, and you get into the car, and there's rules there, and you come home. Or maybe you go to sports practice, and there's, there's rules there, and then you get back home again, and, and again, more rules, and just the cycle. No matter where you turn to, there's always rules all around us. And, and so because there's so many rules, you, you can often try to figure out, if there's so many rules around me, why, uh, which ones do I, do I pay attention to? Which ones do I dismiss? And maybe, maybe, which ones do I break? And so there's all these different, there's different rules in every area of our life. And, and just so you know, there's, there's, some pretty, there's some pretty intense rules, and then there's some rules out there that just seem like they don't matter. And so uh, you've heard of, like, the, the funny kind of obscured, uh, like, state laws. Have you heard of these? 
Yeah, so like, here's just a few of them that I found, and these are just, these are actual rules that people have to follow. So, so men, men, in the state of Iowa, if you're ever in Iowa, and uh, you see just a beautiful girl walking down the street, I'll tell you what you can't do. You can't wink at her. You can't wink at her. It doesn't matter, you know her, you don't know her, there goes Bay strutting down the sidewalk. You can't give them a wink. Uh, that's, that actually calls for prison time in the state of Iowa. Crazy. Get this, in Illinois, in Illinois, you cannot, you cannot under any circumstance give a cat or a dog a lit cigar. Right, right, because, so, because somebody has tried that and they thought, we care about the animals, so that's got to be a law. And uh, in Maryland, Maryland, this one's crazy, it's illegal Illegal to drive a lion to the movie theater. It's illegal to drive a lion to the movie theater. And like, part of me is just like, these rules came from somewhere. And like, at some point, there was a dude who drove a lion to the movie theater. And I don't know if that's like, like how I drive my car to the movie theater. And there's like some dude just like riding a lion in, or if there's like a lion in the back seat. But you, in Maryland, you can't do that kind of stuff. In Oklahoma, it's illegal to have a sleeping donkey in your bathtub only past 7 p.m. So 6.30, you're totally cool. But once 7 rolls around, that's bad, bad news. South Carolina, how many of you are under the age of 18? You're under the age of 18? Most of the room, right. So if you go to South Carolina, uh, tough news for you all. You guys cannot play pinball. Right. It's illegal for you all to play pinball in the, state, in the state of South Carolina, right? And this one's, this one's my favorite. So if you, ever, if you ever find yourself in Louisiana, I don't know why you'd end up there, but if you found your place in Louisiana, get this. It's a $150 fine every single time a cop sees saggy pants. Yeah. yeah. Louisiana, making the world a better place one day at a time. And get this, it's, it's even more, it's even more if underwear is exposed, up to a $300 fine. Come on, come on. And so you hear things like that, you hear things like that, and you're like, well, some of these rules, some of these rules just like don't carry any weight to me. And, and maybe, maybe there's some rules, though, some rules that, that weigh on us pretty heavily, and they're, uh, they're pretty intense. So, fellas, I got to ask you, how many of you know about the bro code? Come on, right? All the dudes, that's right. And uh, here's, here's, a, here's the thing. I've known about the bro code for some time, and these are some pretty serious rules to lay out. You know what I mean? And uh, I've heard about them, uh, you know, growing up all my life. And then, and then it really became significant when, when I started watching a show called How I Met Your Mother. And there's this, there's this guy, uh, his name's Barney. And, and Barney just actually has a leather-bound copy of the bro code that was supposedly written in 1774. And, uh, and what's cool is my, my friend and I, we'd sit down, we'd watch the show every week, and uh, we, just, uh, we just got really, really connected with some of the characters. It was super fun. And uh, for my graduation present uh, from college, he, he knew that I loved the show, and so he, uh, he got me this, and it's an actual copy of the bro code. And just pretty awesome. In the front, in the front cover, he left me a note. Uh, it's a little sappy. It's super short, but I love it. He said, hey, man, just want to get you this because you're the coolest bro I know. Miss you. love you. Uh, praying for you wherever life takes you. 
And so, like, just super cool. And I just want to, like, guys, you're, you're probably familiar with a lot of these, but I just want to read to you, you know, maybe a few of these very, very serious roles, if I can turn to any of them. So we've got, like, some pretty big ones in here. Uh, a bro never rents a chick flick. Come on. Caleb, that means you too, buddy. That means you too, my man. A bro never applies sunscreen to another bro. Right? Exception if the bro is within seven, deg seven degrees latitude of the equator. Because that, that makes a difference. Uh, let's see, what else do we got? I'll give you guys one more. Let's see. How about... Okay. This is pretty serious, guys. A bro always leaves the toilet seat up for other bros. Come on. Ladies are like, this is stop. Please stop reading these. These are bad. So obviously there's, there's some sort of rules that are just completely obscure. They don't mean anything. They don't carry any sort of weight to us. And then we read other ones, guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, those matter. Those things weigh on us a ton. It's because rules are always around us. And rules aren't just some sort of thing that, like, were developed in the last few years. They weren't something that uh, is somewhat modern. But rules have always been around us. They've always been here. And so, so I want to point this out. I want to show this to you. So if you have a Bible, uh, it's underneath your seat or it's in the seat in front of you. Go ahead and grab that. Pull that out. We're going to be in the very, very beginning of this. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, and so if you're looking at uh, your worship center Bible, that, that is actually on page 2. On page 2, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 7. And what I want you to catch here is that uh, rules have actually always been around us. And you're going to see that. Uh, and so up to this point, it has just simply explained the creation account. And so God, God has created everything. And on day six, we're on day six right here, uh, God creates man. And so we're picking up Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and this is what it says. It's going to be on the screens for you to follow. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And we're dropping, drop, uh, dropping down there to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man. He commanded him. There's the rule. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And here's the point that I want you to catch from this. It's at the beginning of time, from the very first moment God even created man, the first moment. He, he created man, he picked him up, he put him into the place that he wanted him, he put him to work, and then he gave him a rule. And it's because God understood this concept from the very beginning. He understood this. Rules are required for life. Rules are required for life. Literally, God put a rule in place for a man because it was essential for him to remain living. <laughs> he gave him a rule because breaking the rule would actually result in death. Rules are required for life. And you know this. You know this to be true. Uh, think, think of it this way. As much as, as, much as you want to be an anti-rules person, you want just something to rise up inside of you and say, oh, rules don't actually matter, Robbie. Uh, 
like think about this. You go out onto a football field. You have all of your friends. You have a football, and you're there, and you're about to play the game. And then you start, you start the game off by saying this. All right, guys, we're going to play football, but here's the catch. There's no rules. Let's go. And like no one would know what to do, right? You would, nobody would have any idea. There would be no way of keeping score. There would be no gameplay strategy. Like, like, have you ever tried to play a sport with somebody who just had no idea what was going on? You know what I'm saying? Anybody? Right. It's, it's like the worst thing ever. It, it's because like you're trying to move the ball down the field and like there's a dude on the other end on your team who's trying to like slam dunk the goal, the goal post. And it's like, bro, that's not, that's not how you do this. That's not the game. And it's because the rules matter. The rules matter. And uh, you, can, you can continue thinking about uh, how much that you don't need rules to go throughout the game. But without rules, the game really wouldn't exist. Think about this. You, you get in a car with somebody. You get in a car with someone. And they sit next to you. And they're in the driver's seat. You're in the passenger seat. And they just simply look at you and be like, hey, you know what, man? Today, today I think I'm going to drive with my own rules. You cool with that? No, no, like you're an idiot if you're still in the car after that because he's going to be like blowing. Okay, <laughs> this is hilarious. I just remembered a story from high school I got to share with you. This is, this is gold. So in high school, I had this friend and she was like the most gullible person on the planet. Like, like you'd be like, hey, hey look, gullible's on the ceiling. Check it out, check it out. And like, like two of you just looked. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. And it's like, he goes, uh, I was like, hey, just so you know, uh, I know you just got your license and everything, and I want to tell you a secret that I picked up on. Uh, every stop sign, every stop sign that's outlined in white is actually optional. And she was like, really? That makes sense. And so, like, she got in the car, and it was literally two days later she walks into school and just, like, the meanest face you've ever seen just walking up to me. And, uh, and she, I was like, hey, like, everything Okay. And uh, she's like, just so you know, I was on my way home, and the first day, I checked all the stop signs, and sure enough, they were all outlined in white. And I thought, heck, I'm going to make some time on the way home. And the next day, she blew through not one, not two, not three, but six stop signs, and a cop watched her do it the whole way. And so she comes in, and she said the cop pulled, him, pulled her over, and she didn't know what to do. And he was like, do you have any idea what you're doing? Do you know the rules? And she said, yeah, but, like, my friend told me that any stop sign outlined in white, I could just, is optional. And the cop felt so bad for her that he just said, you just need to go, and my only thing I'm going to tell you is to get new friends. Like, it's a true story, because, because you need to know the rules when driving. The rules matter. And I remember, I remember in college, uh, I was sitting down and we all decided to play a game of Uno. You know Uno? It's like legitimately the easiest game on planet Earth. You, there's two things you need to know. You need to know four colors and you need to know how to count to 10. And you don't even really need to know the order of them. You just need to know that a six looks like a six. And like, it's like more of a matching game than anything. And I remember there was a guy there at, in our lodge and he didn't know how to play Uno. And, and so I was like, I'm gonna be a good guy and I'm gonna, I, I took 10 minutes to explain the game to him because it should only take like three. So I thought I was being generous. And 
The whole time, he had no idea what he was doing. He was like trying to throw a blue four on a green six. And I'm like, bro, I'm colorblind and I can play this game better than you. You can't do this. And, uh, and it's like, but, but he needed to understand the rules because knowing the rules are important. If there wasn't any rules there, I would have like one of my friends trying to eat all the red car- cards or burn the yellow ones. And uh, political science, dude, this guy literally studied political science at the collegiate level, did not know how to play Uno. This guy would probably be like trying to snort all the blue cards because he had no idea what, what the rules were of Uno. And he might be winning <laughs> because there is just no rules and the rules actually matter. But even though we know all the rules matter, even though we know uh, rules are required in life, for whatever reason, we'll simply choose to disregard them. We'll disregard them, we'll, whether it's in a car and we're just going, well, I know that's the speed limit. I know the stop sign is, doesn't have a white line around it, but like, I'm still going to go, no. And like, it doesn't matter. Uh, we just simply know the rules, but we choose to disregard them. And it's something that I'm guilty of. It's something that, that, that you're guilty of. Even in the beginning, the story we just read, Adam and Eve, the first people on earth with the one rule that they were given, they're guilty of this as well, disregarding the rules that are in place for us. And, and, and like in college, I remember there was a time uh, that I actually, I actually broke a lot of rules all at once. Um, and so I was a senior in college and all of the leaders on campus were there, uh, but nobody else was. So cam- campus was still pretty empty. And, and I remember I was leading all the chaplains on a retreat, and we went to, to a retreat center that was about five miles away from Indiana Westlands campus, and we spent the day there, and as we were leaving uh, the, the center, we realized, we looked at the dumpster, and over there on the dumpster, there were like a lot of toilets just sitting out there, and there were a lot of sinks sitting out there, and, and I thought to myself, why are they throwing all these toilets away? Like, I'm sure there's people in need of a toilet, Right? And uh, for whatever reason, we thought it'd be a cool idea to, to take one of the toilets because they were simply just going to get thrown away. People, you guys are looking at me like, gosh, you need a, like a better life. <laughs> and uh, so, but we didn't want to like take the toilet in the broad daylight. So what we did was we waited till midnight uh, that evening. We drove back to the retreat center. And so it's like 1230 in the evening and we're like loading this toilet into like an escort, uh, like a trunk of an escort. And uh, so that looked ridiculous. And so we leave, we bring it back to campus and now we're just like, well, we have a toilet, but I don't know what to do with it. Uh, so naturally, one of my friends looked at me and was like, dude, uh, we should blow it up. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man, because there's a few different ways I could take that. But like, he's like, no, no, man. Like, I think we just need to find some fireworks. And uh, I was like, it's September. Where are we going to find fireworks? And then one of my other friends, uh, he was like the nerdy science guy. And he, he just walked up to me and he was like, I know how to make a bomb. And I was like, bro, we can't just make a bomb. I think that's illegal. And so he's like, no, 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 it'll be pretty small. Like, I can control it. And I was totally, we're going to control it. And so uh, we're sitting there and we're staring at this toilet. And, and he just, he makes it and he shakes it. And then he puts it inside of the toilet. And then we run away. We're like in the, the courtyard of Iwu, like the most pristine place. Like they spent the most money making this place look be- like just beautiful. And uh, we stand there for like five minutes and nothing happens. And uh, I was like, well, uh, I guess we just leave the toilet. And, and somebody was like, no, no, man, we should, we should at least move it, like move it somewhere. And then none of us wanted to move the toilet because we were just scared of picking up the toilet and it blowing up. Uh, so we were stuck, and we just decided it was about two in the morning at this point 
that we should just turn around and leave the toilet there for somebody else to deal with. So I remember this. I remember this. We all turn, we all walk away, and we take about 10 steps. And then all of a sudden, I hear the loudest noise I've ever heard in my life. It was like a canyon. A canyon went off like three feet behind me, or like someone just fired a bazooka. And, and I'd turn around to see just like a mushroom cloud of porcelain just falling everywhere. And, uh, and it, like in that moment, I just remember thinking, this is the coolest thing I'll ever do in life is I, on my college campus, while on a leadership retreat, blew up a toilet and formed a porcelain mushroom cloud. Like, this is one for the books. And uh, as soon as that was over, the next thought I had was, that was a really loud noise, and everybody within, like, a three-mile radius of this place just heard a gunshot. And uh, so we got in the car, and we drove away very quickly. We drove to where, where I lived in the lodges, and we sat in the parking lot, and we pulled in, and we think, I'm like, wow, I wonder if we should clean that up in the morning because it's just like, like rain of porcelain for like 100 yards everywhere. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we lo- I look in the rearview mirror and we hear just this, and there's these flashing blue lights that pull up right behind us. And, uh, and we thought it was awesome. We thought it was funny. And then he, he proceeded, we proceeded to clean up uh, you know, all of the toilet and had a conversation with the officer. And he, he, it wasn't a ticket. Um, but it was, it was a court appeal, and, uh, and there was things on it like, um, you know, because we, the, 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 the recreational center was private property, it was like defacing private property, um, because the toilet didn't belong to us, it was theft, and because uh, it was two in the morning, uh, and we were in city limits, and on a private university campus, there is something called disturbing the peace, and that was also on there. Uh, vandalism. There was like a list of like 20 things. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, it's uh, when you add them all up, it's like a B felony. And I just remember thinking like, I'm going nowhere in life. <laughs> I'm done. And uh, anyway, the, the end, then the story is, is you know, we, we met with the dean of the chapel, uh, my boss, and, and who would like oversee all this kind of thing. And uh, I actually was telling him this, and I, I don't remember what I was going to expect, but he just looked at me. And after like three minutes of this story, he just started laughing. And uh, I told him, like, no, dude, I'm a felon. Like, I, I need help. I'm going to be in jail tomorrow if you don't sign this paper. Please help me. And he just continued to laugh. But, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, there, was some pretty, there was some pretty serious repercussions that I had to go through. Uh, while all my friends were out playing sand volleyball and win tournaments and hanging out and everything, that's something I love to do all throughout college. I was, I was spending uh, 29 hours of community service, like, moving pews in 100-degree weather. It was literally the worst thing I've ever experienced. And uh, there, was, there, was some, there was some pretty crazy repercussions, and you could think, like, when we break the rules, it doesn't do really anything to us, but just simply break the rules. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that there's, there's a reality about the rules, and there's a truth, and I want you to write it down because I think it's, it's impactful, and it's simply this. You don't break the rules. The rules break you. You don't break the rules. The rules break you. And some of you hear that and, and you think like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. And the other half of the room is like, yeah, dude, that's like not even a little bit true. <laughs> and, and I'm here to tell you that, that that's very true. It's very true. And I, and I want, I want to think of you, uh, make you think of it this way. If you, if you go out and you play football, uh, there's a rule in football that says you need a helmet on 
uh, at all times when on the field. And for whatever reason, if you decide to take your helmet off while playing football in the NFL, it can result in a, in a lot of different penalties. The, the smallest would be uh, like a 15-yard penalty all the way to like a 15-yard penalty and a loss of a down or, you know, a 15-yard penalty and you're disqualified for the rest of the game, all because you simply took your helmet off while on the playing field. And you think like, wow, dude, that seems like pretty harsh. They play in pretty hot weather and they're running a lot and they're sweating a ton. Like maybe he just wanted to cool his head off. Uh, that seems pretty like pretty big thing for you just to simply DQ him from the rest of the game. And uh, the reality is this, that seems like a pretty crazy rule. And you might just be thinking because you take your helmet off uh, and you choose to play the game of football at the NFL level that you're just breaking a rule. But here's the truth. You go and play one down without a helmet on in the NFL and you don't break the rule. The rule breaks you uh, because it just breaks your face. You know what I mean? Like your head is broken. <laughs> because you don't have a helmet on in one of the highest uh, uh, like contact sports in history. It's because if you, you just don't break the rule, the rule breaks you. And, uh, and I don't think that's just in sports. I don't think that's just in your home. I don't think that's just at school. I think that applies to rules across the board. And I think, I think that's even why, why God would give us rules. Because he understands the concept that if you just don't break a rule, he's not just having rules for you to break them. He, he doesn't want you to break them because he understands that the rules will break you. And so he, lays, he lists out a lot of different things and in, in expectations for us as followers of Christ. A lot of different rules that we think that, that maybe some of us follow well and some of us, like maybe we don't follow all of them well. But I want to show you a few rules that I think might actually, you might think you're only breaking, but in reality, I believe these rules are actually breaking you. And, and so I want to list out a few of them, three. And uh, the first one is this. The first rule that I believe is breaking some of you in the room tonight is lying. It's lying. And, and sometimes, sometimes you get away with it, and other times you don't. And it's more obvious when you don't get away with it of what it actually does to you. And you could actually begin to see why you just don't break a rule, but the rule actually begins to break you is because uh, all of a sudden with lie, you look at your friendships and you realize that there's no intimacy and there's no trust and, and your relationships actually begin to recede because of a series of lies. And sometimes you get away with it and you think that there is no harm, no foul, but all of a sudden inside of you, it's just forming deceptions, it's forming false identity, it's forming things in your life and it's creating lifestyles and cycles inside of you that eventually will only begin to break you apart. And it doesn't matter how small of a white lie it is it doesn't, it, or, or how big it gets. God made it clear that, that of lying being a rule for a reason, and it shouldn't be broken because he knows exactly that when you begin the cycle of lying, that it's actually something that breaks you down. And so maybe it's that for you. Maybe, maybe it's something else. And the second one I want to bring up is this. It's stealing. It's stealing. And, and I've brought this up before in, in youth men settings, and, and for whatever reason, people think that this isn't, this isn't a big deal. Or, or maybe it's, it's not prominent in high, school, uh, high schoolers, but, but I know that it is. Uh, and some of you sit in the room tonight, and this is actually part of your life. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, when I was in high school, this was a regular part of my life. Uh, and sometimes, well, mo most of the time, you actually don't get caught. And you think, oh, I didn't get caught. Again, no harm, no foul, right? But then there's, there, there's actually times that you will get caught. 
And uh, I've actually seen this. Friends, friends that I was a part of in high school, I can actually name two of them to you right now that are in prison, at, like at this very time, prison, because of theft. And what's, what's humorous to me above anything else is of all the things they've stolen all their life, what they actually got caught with was stealing underwear at Nordstrom. <laughs> but, uh, but now they're in prison. And, and you can think that you can get away with it all that you want, uh, but even when you do, I believe that this is still a rule that's breaking you. Because inside, inside it, it settles things inside of your soul. I think it, I think it settles greed. I think there's bitterness that, that becomes there, anger, jealousy, habits of la- laziness and beliefs of self-entitlement. All these things are present in your life and you don't even realize that it's just the stealing that's causing them. And Jesus knew that this would be part of it. He knew that this would be a repercussion of the, of the rule being broken. And he understood that he made this a rule because you don't break the rule. The rule breaks you. And so maybe you look at these two, and it's, it's not simply that. Maybe, maybe it's something else. Um, and this, this, this other one, I think, is more important than our culture would ever care to admit. But it's this. It's purity. Purity. And you're some of you in the room that will make all the excuses in the world to justify this one. All sorts of things. You'll, you'll begin saying things like, oh, but, but I love him, that he loves me. Uh, but we've been together forever. Or it's, Robbie, it's not really sex. Uh, Robbie, it's, it's simply just a look. And you don't even realize what it's doing to you. But it's creating false intimacy. It's, it's actually uh, receding real relationships in your life. It's, uh, it's creating uh, almost walls and barriers inside of your life for you to actually engage with people the way that you should. And these are all things that God knew. And so he made it a rule. And you can think you can get away with it. And, and I don't need to spend a lot of time in, on this one because I think you already know there's tons of repercussions that go with this. And it's simply because you just don't break the rule, but the rule actually breaks you. And so maybe it's purity, uh, maybe it's stealing, maybe it's lying. But it's interesting to me that, that, we, that we, we, we know the rules and we know that they're important when we see them, uh, but for whatever reason, we still choose to disregard them. <laughs> and and let me, let me put it to you this way. Um, if, if you didn't understand the game of football, if you didn't understand it at all, uh, who, who would you want to ask about the game of football? Maybe, maybe you'd want to ask a football player. That would be a pretty good thing to go to. Maybe, maybe you'd ask a football coach. That might be even better. Uh, maybe one of the smartest things you could ever do is, is ask a referee. Uh, hopefully they know the rules. And, uh, but if you really wanted to understand the full rules of football, inside and out, all the reasons, everything, uh, it would simply be to ask the one who invented it. Whoever invented the game is going to know the rules. And that's just the reality of the games. It's the last thing in your notes. The one who creates the game is the one who creates the rules. In other words, the creator is the ruler. And what ends up happening in, in, in our lives is we step into the game and all of a sudden we think we got the rules, but then we start doing things like this, like, well, I think maybe, maybe I'll make my own rule and maybe, maybe that rule doesn't actually apply at this time. Or, or I think this rule is actually going to be more fun. And we just create and, and, and eliminate the rules of the game. We create house rules. 
But all you ever do when you just begin creating the rules in your life and without you ever knowing is you simply just become the ruler. Because the one who creates is the one who rules. And some of you walk into age 12 tonight and, and you'll raise your hand and you'll declare with everything that you got inside of you that Jesus is the ruler of your life. And, and you can remember the day that you were saved, you remember the day that you are baptized, and then you look and you walk throughout your life, and, and all you do is continue to create the rules, and you say, that one doesn't apply, and this one's more fun, and, and this is actually the rule that's going to be more applicable to me, and I just don't like that one in general, so we're just not even going to play that way. And you just begin to create. And all of a sudden, when you, be, you declare that Jesus is the ruler of your life, but in reality, You've placed yourself on the throne of your soul because the one who creates is the one who rules. And so the question I have for you tonight, students, is one that it's going to sound easy, um, but it's going to be a bit for you to wrestle with. And it's this. It's going to be right up here. Who is your ruler? Is it God? Or have you mistakenly placed yourself on the throne of your soul instead? Have you begun to look at the rules and say, it doesn't apply, that I can break that one, and that, that I can create this one? And the more you create, the more you begin to rule. Or do you listen to the one who actually created life? The one who actually created you and has the best for you. And next week, we're going to dive into why the rules matter and why God has these rules in even greater detail but you first have to know and you first have to understand, you first have to come to grips with who is the ruler of you. And then you just need to sit and you need to examine uh, what rules are you breaking that are actually breaking you. And so as, as the band's going to come up here in a minute, I would ask that you, you can come up front, you can worship, you can, you can sit, you can pray, you can do whatever you need to do in these next few moments to examine yourself. Um, and just simply ask the question, who is your ruler? So let me pray for you. Um, God, I thank you so much uh, for H12, um, for this place, for these people, for these leaders, uh, for the community here, the relationships uh, across the board. God, this is, this is truly an incredible place that you've put together. Um, and for that, we say thank you, because uh, it's, it's nothing that we do, it's nothing that um, more strategy and, and longer hours and stuff like those things matter, but God, inevitably, you are the one who put this all together, and we thank you for that, God. God, I pray that in these next few moments, Holy Spirit, that you would speak so clearly to our lives, God. God, we uh, collectively together just, just say uh, we're open, God, for you to encourage. We're open for you to convict, God. God, whatever you would say in these next few moments, speak, speak loudly, speak clearly to us. And God, would you always, always continue to straighten our heart as it, as it drifts, as it wanders, God, to keep our eyes solely fixed on you, Jesus. God, our creator, God, our ruler. God, I thank you so much for your grace, God, that even, even when we choose to do our own thing and move in a different direction, Jesus, that, that uh, you are just faithful and just to forgive us. God, it doesn't matter where I've been in life. It doesn't matter how far I've been. You still choose to lavish grace, and you pour your love out on me, and nothing I can do changes that. 
And that's truly incredible, God. So thank you so much for doing that in our lives. It's because of these things we sing to you. It's because of those things that we worship you, God, because you are truly great. You are truly good, God, and you're everything that we need. Would we continue to put you first? Help us do that. In your name we pray. Amen.